Welcome to Freedom Talk with Pastor Robert Bennett of Freedom Church in Auburn. Are you looking for a genuine relationship with God to experience His joy and His love, eliminate doubt and fear in your life, and find your God-given purpose? Today on Freedom Talk, you'll find answers in today's message through God's Word. Now, let's join Pastor Robert. so excited about the message today. I got to hear Karen's testimony at Freedom Recovery. That was about a month ago, I'd say by now. I said, Karen, would you be willing to bring that to our church? Because it's amazing. It's amazing testimony. And she said, let me pray about it. And she prayed and she said, I got a yes. So you are going to be blessed today. And so would you give a big, warm welcome to Karen Beam? Thank you. First Samuel 30, verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people with him lifted up their voices, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, pursue, for you shall, you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And that's the word God gave me when I, you know, headed back and started my freedom in recovery. So... And he will restore everything, too. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you, God, that you are a God of faithfulness. And you are a God that recovers everything. I thank you, God, for bringing me out of the desert and into your marvelous light. I thank you that you have always been faithful to me. And I just praise you, God, that I am in here doing this and I am not out there. And I praise you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I was born in Pocatello, Idaho. My parents were divorced when I was three years old. My dad moved to California and my mom stayed in Idaho. I have lived in both states all of my life. Even today, I live in both states because my husband's in Idaho and I'm here and we go back and forth. I first met Susie, my mama Sita, that's what I call her, when I was five years old, when she was dating my dad. And I lived with her off and on. And then, at 10 years old, I lived with her full time during the school year and spent summers in Idaho with my mom. From age five to 10, I had went to at least, and this is from memory, six different schools, changing many in the middle of the school year because my parents fought over me. It was no fun. Susie has been the stability in my life, all of my life. I can and always have been able to count on her. Because of her, I played softball for years and was good at it. Yes, I was. I played basketball, volleyball, ran track, and was a cheerleader in grammar school and one year in high school. I had good grades in grammar school also. Thank you for that. Not so good in high school until I graduated. The Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I truly do. Pastor Dan taught me that love is unconditional, but trust is earned. 
As a small child, as soon as I could talk, I sang. As soon as I could walk, I danced. I knew all the words to every song, and I would dance on the coffee table, hoping for an audience. No wonder Psalms is my favorite book in the Bible. I was very sensitive and discerning. There were a lot of shenanigans that went on around me. I believed that I could sense trouble, and I would do my best to get out of its way. But there were times that I couldn't avoid the trouble happening to me. Try as I may, I was little and trapped. I grew up without going to church or being taught about God. My dad believed in evolution. I remember him talking about the dolphins, that they somehow turned into people and crawled onto the land, and I was like, wow. Nonetheless, God was breaking through and present even as a little girl. I had a wonder of God. I knew that I was being watched over by someone I couldn't see. I remember summer nights sleeping under the stars with my cousins, gazing at the sky, and being in total wonder and amazement of how it came to be. We would stay up for hours and talk about the stars, the world, and how did we get here? But even as a small child, I have a memory of Satan. I recall having an imaginary person that I would bet with. I knew the presence, I was probably five, four or five. I knew the presence was evil. I would bet things like, I bet my mom won't take me with her when she leaves. Kid stuff, but it wasn't kid stuff. Eventually, I was seeing wicked faces when I would try to sleep at night and close my eyes. The faces would change to different, different, more wicked faces until I would run to my mom, Carol's room, my mom, Carol, her room, and ask if I could sleep with her. Things became so difficult that I finally told my mom, I've been betting the devil. And I remember I was on the top bunk. I remember right where I was. It, it was like something, a secret, the enemy had made me hold on to. And I told her, and I cried. And by confessing it, it stopped. Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Even as a small child, God showed me that by exposing this, it would go away. Moving on, I graduated high school. When I was 21 years old, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I was, it was in 1991. I ran to the front. That's right. It was an outreach in Auburn, and I remember he asked if we wanted to receive Christ, and I was the first one up there to receive Christ as my Savior. And so I gave birth to my first son, Dustin. I was not yet married to his father. I went to Idaho State University in 1993 with special education as my major. I only went for a year, but I had a 3.6 GPA. I married in 1996 and gave birth to my beautiful daughter, Sierra, in 1996. This is also the year when I truly focused my life on God, and I was baptized by Pastor Dan. I was pregnant with Sierra, so I made a decision to completely serve him. I stopped all drinking and partying and believed that God had delivered me from that life. And I said to those around me, if you're not going with me, you're getting left behind. On September 2000, I gave birth to my son, David, and I will say a footnote. Um, I prayed for him before he was conceived, and I prayed for red hair. I prayed for a calm spirit. I prayed all of these things, and I remember at 2 in the morning he was born, and I couldn't tell because it was just this fuzz, but... I took him up to the light as soon as I could, and it was red hair, and he is everything that I prayed. All of my children are, but that's just a, a miraculous thing that when you pray for things before, God is faithful, and he, he um, answers that. And so I gave birth to Jessica on July 2006. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 3 through 5, children are a heritage from the Lord. 
The fruit of the womb is a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And a quiver is three or more. So I have four, so I've got a full quiver. <laughs> My children are the greatest blessings that God has given me. During those years, starting in 1996, I started teaching in the children's church. I sang on the worship team at Auburn Faith Center and then at Foothill Church in Grass Valley for 14 years total. I wrote worship songs. I did worship dances, skits, and even an Easter play. God was real for me. I went on a mission trip to Mexico that was phenomenal. I was a personal trainer and fitness instructor for 16 years, teaching everything except yoga. I invented a Christian fish and tanna ball and sold it in Christian bookstores and invented a fitness product called the Fit Sticks that sold on QVC and across the country for schools for PE. I led many people to the Lord, neighbors, people from work, and my brother Kenny before he died. I would get up and read my Bible at 5.30 a.m. Before the kids would wake up, I would pray and journal what God has been speaking to me. I have many full journals from that time. God was extremely powerful in my life because people may ask, did she really know the Lord? I knew the Lord. I knew the Lord. I was a very attentive mother. My kids were involved in gymnastics, baseball, soccer, voice lessons, football, plays, and they were involved in our children's church, and they went with us to minister in the convalescent hospitals. I was a mama bear, probably too much of a mama bear. I definitely overdid it. With all of that going for me, how could I fall? And fall for so long and for so hard. Oh boy. It was perplexing. It was baffling and a total shock to everyone in my life around me. Most of all, my children. Here's a mom that lived their whole life so close to God and then right before their eyes fell off the grid, did a 180, and then basically blew up the whole family. For over 10 years, my children had to watch my life spiral down. They had to deal with life without a present healthy mom. That was a great loss for them. I will never know how great. I do know the pain I feel when I think about the years I missed watching them and their lives grow, not being there for them. But it didn't happen overnight. One thing, oh boy, I'm not going to be able to see. One thing that God has shown me through this is to never, ever give the enemy even a toehold. I can look back and remember the specific moment I gave the enemy a grip on me in one area of my life. There's a song by Casting Crowns that says, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. When black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. I began to live a life in exile. I remember Dustin saying to me, Mom, you were making such a difference in God's kingdom and people's lives, and the devil has an assignment against you, and he wants you dead. The Bible says the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy, and that is what his assignment is. And that's what he was trying to do from, to me for years and years, 10 years. What happened? Romans 8, 5, 6 says... For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I began to set my mind on things of the flesh. I began to get in agreement with the world and the enemy, sad to say, I stopped living to the Spirit. So what happened, you might ask? First of all, I'm not God. 
And for now, I only see in part, but someday I will see it all in whole. It is important to examine what was going on so that I don't fall back into that pit again. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. It was a slow fade, little by little. Here are the things that I know. God knows the rest. Number one, we no longer had a strong church family base. We had left the church we had attended for 10 years, so we were floundering looking for a church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I'm going to pause and say something here. You have no idea how much power there is in being in this church. If you are out there in that world and you aren't in the church as long as I was, I know the power that's in this church. And I gave a lot to that world and I will give more to this church. It is important for us to come together. We need to come together. I am okay today because of the church, because I had a place to go. So we don't forsake the assembly of the church. Don't do it. Don't do it. Everything can be worked out. That was hard. This is easy. Always remember that. Don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all small stuff. I had nobody that I was accountable to. I had so many years of sobriety that I thought, maybe I'm not addicted. Maybe I don't have. I never went to those programs. Never, never. That was one lie of the enemy. Maybe I can drink some red wine after all. God turned that water into wine. That's how it started. It's not okay for me. I had nobody that I was accountable to that I felt safe telling what was going on inside of me. So I was going out. Secrets make us sick, and I was sick. James 5, 16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Number three, I took my eyes off of God and the things that he was doing. I stopped pursuing him and went full throttle working on my invention of the fit sticks. My brother Kenny said to me shortly before he died, when he called me on the telephone, he said, Karen, he said, Karen, that's how he talked, Karen, you used to be breathless talking about God and what he's doing. Now all that you talk about are the fit sticks. I definitely had signs given to me from God. Exodus 20 verse 3 says, you shall have no other gods before me. Fit sticks had become my God. It was terrible. My brother died unexpectedly, this is four, and tragically, and we still don't know if it was suicide or murder. It was listed undetermined. That threw me completely off the cliff. Nobody really knew how devastated I was and how much he meant to me. Looking back, I should have been sent somewhere because I was not well. But instead, I went to a PE convention in Monterey, devastated and stunned, and I drank. After that, slowly but surely, I went and sought comfort from alcohol and anything to escape what I was going through. I became lost. In 2012, Doug and I separated and I thought I was heading for freedom and that our kids would be okay, but nothing was ever, ever going to be okay for a long, long time. I spiraled deeper and deeper into my addiction and into a dark pit. 2 Peter verse 2, 19 verse 22, Everything's in the Bible. Every answer is in the Bible. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. 
If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it, that was me, and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. I came to believe that I would never get better, never get out of this labyrinth. I would think it can't get any worse than this, but I was wrong. It felt like hell on earth. My addiction brought me to places I couldn't believe I would be, doing things I never thought I would do. I remember thinking to myself when Kenny died, I would never kill myself. How does that happen? How weak that is and selfish. But I was wrong. Many times that is what I wanted and tried to do. But God intervened every time. On one occasion, I relapsed after four months of sobriety. When I woke up in the Nevada desert in a rental car after three days of this runner and realized what I had done, I cried out to God and I said, I can't do this anymore. If I'm going to have sobriety and then fall after so many months or even years, I want out. My plan was to get in an accident by running into some obstacle at a high speed. I couldn't see anything through all my tears. I only had AM, FM radio, and I was flipping the channels, and suddenly the song came on that I'd never heard. I Will Rescue You by Lauren Dingle. It says, you are not hidden. There's never been a moment you were forgotten. You are not hopeless. Though you have been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. I hear the whisper underneath your breath. I hear you whisper, I have nothing left. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. I will rescue you. I will never stop marching to reach you in the middle of the hardest fight. It's true. I will rescue you. I was overwhelmed with God's love. The Holy Spirit spoke to me that I needed to live and that, yes, he would fight for me. God rescued me from certain death that day. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 15, 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have been, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need not repent. I didn't stop with my addiction that day, but I found a hope I didn't have before, and I knew that I would get well. I was ready to fight and win. I knew that it would be a climb, but I was climbing out. My husband, Steve, told me, Karen, one thing you, that you always did, even at your lowest place, was call out to God and you kept on seeking him. My sobriety date is March 3rd, the day Kenny died, and I will not lose it. He is with Jesus, and he is proud of me. What will I do? I will not forsake my time with God first. Every day I need him. I will not forsake going to church. I need you. I will keep it real. Never forget where I've been, who I am, and where I am, capable of going without God. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. I will keep attending groups that deal with my addiction and work my steps with my sponsor so that we can help each other. I will be accountable to wise counsel and accept help and correction. I will continue to read the Bible and pray with my husband, Steve. 
We've been together for nine years, so this journey has been mostly together with him. All I can say is that what God put together, let no man separate. We used to fight hard against each other, but now we fight for our marriage and what God has for us. Our marriage is a miracle. I will thank God every day that I'm here and that I'm not out there. I will pray for and serve others. I'm attending college in January to be a drug and alcohol counselor. I want to help rescue others from this fire. I will live my life to restore what the enemy stole from me and my family. Romans 8:28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It's not done yet. I'm still going because Psalm 31 says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. So we have a tree in our backyard in Idaho, and I love that tree. It's very interesting. It's not beautiful or magnificent, but whenever I go for a run and come back and lay on the trampoline and gaze up at it, it brought me great peace. Something about that tree. Steve recently told me a story about that tree. He said that it had been completely cut down to a stump. Over the years, it grew back. Parts of it look like dead, twisted branches, and other parts are lush and green. When I fell into my addiction and all of those years went by, I was broken and struck down. I can never go back to the person that I was before. I went through that devastation. I am forever changed. Just like that tree, I am different now. And that is okay because I'm not dead. 2 Corinthians 4.8 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. God named me Karen Joy, which means pure joy. I remember my addiction took my name away. It took, I have no joy. I have no joy I, all the time, but my name is gone. Well, I'm alive. My name is pure joy. I will live for Christ all of the rest of the days of my life, being what he named me. I'm taking back my name. I want to take a minute and thank the people who never gave up on me and spoke into my life, hope and love and strength. Pastor Dan, for always praying for me for baptizing me and calling me when I wasn't well in a hotel room and praying for me and praying with my brother Kenny and taking him to the train station. You are a true father and shepherd to me, and I love you. Jane, you taught me Psalm 91 and to pray it over my family to get victory over the darkness, and you held me and loved me when I was very sick in the hospital with my addiction. Jaylena, you always loved me and welcomed me when I come to church. When I was in my addiction, I would come to church, and she treated me like a friend. You spoke wisdom to my life and in my marriage. Pastor Robert, you prayed for me and Steve in Home Depot and always treated me like family when I came to church. You don't know this, but one day when I was very sick, not doing well, I came to this church and I parked over there and it was during a weekday and I just parked there because it made me feel safe. I thought about knocking on the door, but I just stayed there for hours. To this whole church, I've always felt loved and accepted here. Thank you. To Steve, thank you for never giving up on me and us and God. To my mom, Asita, you also never gave up on me and your open arms and doors are a huge part of why I am better. And my dad, you have become the dad I never had or wanted. <laughs> but when you really got in the fight with me and showed me you loved me, it helped me get better. To Dustin, he showed up for me through those years and you listened to the Holy Spirit and you called me when I needed you. And they were just miraculous phone calls. To Adriana, she's not here, she's my daughter-in-law. She met me in my addiction 
and she welcomed me anyways and she helped me and she loved me anyways she was there and I'm blessed that she gets to see who I really am in Christ and person I am uh to Sierra you were my conviction when I needed it and you spoke the truth and thank you for forgiving me and accepting me unconditionally to David thank you for always being there for me Thank you for taking care of me when I needed you and for never giving up on me and for calling me every day. And Jessica's not here for being such a love and a giver, for taking a leap of faith and believing in me and living with me right now so that we can restore our lives. Here's what it says in Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Jessica, Sierra, Dustin, and David are my true treasures, and my house is being built by wisdom and through understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Freedom Talk with Pastor Robert Bennett of Freedom Church in Auburn. Freedom Talk is all about equipping you to walk in God's freedom every day. With a focus on outreach, Freedom Church loves to be part of what God is doing all over the world, both locally and globally. You can join Freedom Church for services Sundays at 10 a.m. at 4065 Grass Valley Highway in Auburn. We'd love to meet you, pray with you, have you visit as a guest, or you can join online at freedom-church.tv. If you've enjoyed this message, we'd love to hear from you. To ask for prayer or say hello, visit our website and click on Connect Card at freedom-church.tv. Join us next week at this time as we continue our journey of freedom in God's Word on Freedom Talk. Freedom Talk.